0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going
2: and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover the more you can save. Amika. Empathy
0: is our best policy.
3: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So... What makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Breaking news tonight, the staggering numbers. The U.S. now tops 200,000 cases. And in the epicenter, the death toll in New York has almost quadrupled in five days. As Governor Cuomo closes playgrounds, he warns that social distancing is a matter of life and death.
0: Who else has to die for you to understand you have a responsibility in this?
3: And in Illinois, where the death toll is rising, we hear from a Chicago doctor on the front lines.
4: This is the most scared I've ever been being an ER doctor.
3: New stay-at-home orders. Florida's governor reverses course and tells the people of the Sunshine State to stay inside what he thinks sparked the outbreak in Florida and why churches and synagogues are exempt. And tonight, we talk to the nation's top infectious disease doctor, Anthony Fauci, about whether it's time for a nationwide shutdown. Sailors evacuate. After our interview with the defense secretary, what the Navy is doing to protect thousands aboard an aircraft carrier. Stockpile running out. Governors complain they're left to find their own medical supplies as the national stockpile is depleted. Community lifeline, the people still going to work to keep America fed. And tonight we end with this story, Love Knows No Bounds, A Couple Says I Do in the era of social distancing.
5: This is the CBS Evening News
2: with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital
3: good evening and thank you for joining us we begin with breaking news tonight florida's more than 21 million residents are the latest americans now being ordered to stay home after weeks of refusing to shut down his state governor ron desantis says he is issuing the order which starts tomorrow night because the president extended federal guidelines until the end of april now the decision comes as cases nationwide continue to skyrocket as we come on the air tonight confirmed cases of coronavirus In the U.S., now top 200,000, doubling in five days. And more than 4,000 people have died in the U.S., about half of them in the state of New York, where the governor said today the outbreak may not peak there until the end of this month. Also tonight, Vice President Mike Pence is warning the U.S. is on the same trajectory as Italy, and there is growing concern about access to that protective medical equipment desperately needed in hospitals. We learned today the federal government's stockpile of masks and gloves is almost empty. Our team has every angle of this story covered. Mola Lenghi leads us off tonight from New York City, the epicenter of the crisis. And Mola, I understand we are learning that the governor's nightmare is coming true, that there are just 352 ICU beds left in the city?
2: Well, that's right, Nora. There is still a projected shortfall of beds in the city. Nowhere. Is that more evident than Elmhurst Hospital here in Queens? It is at the center of New York City's COVID-19 crisis. They've added 82 beds in just 10 days, with 30 more on the way. At Elmhurst Hospital, the epicenter of the city's COVID-19 crisis, ambulances arrive every 10 minutes. In the last five days, deaths in the state have nearly quadrupled. New York's governor says one model projects 16,000 New Yorkers will die by the end of this crisis. The Field Hospital in Central Park now fully functioning. Patient arrived here at the Central Park Field Hospital. We're told that the patient is coming from Brooklyn, is in stable condition, and will not require intensive care. The city's emergency medical workers are taking a hit. With more than 900 of them out sick and emergency calls up 50%, EMTs with a caravan of 250 ambulances from across the country have come here to help. All I can say is thank you so much for being there for the people of the city of New York. With nearly 1,000 new cases in Illinois, Chicago ER doctor Scott Samlin says the fear of infection is constant.
4: This is the most scared I've ever been, being an ER doctor. And it's not just because of me, it's because I have a wife and a two year old and a one year old at home. I don't wanna expose them.
2: With signs social restrictions are slowing the virus, warnings are getting more aggressive. Washington DC's Mayor Muriel Bowser even sent out an alert to cell phones.
3: We are telling everyone in the capital region, DC, Maryland and Virginia, please stay home.
2: Back in New York, Governor Cuomo, frustrated that people are defying social distance orders, closed all of New York City's playgrounds and asked the police to enforce it. Who
0: else has to die for you to understand you have a responsibility in this?
2: At least 82,000 people with medical experience have volunteered to join New York's emergency medical reserve. The teams. Those first 1,200 or so of those volunteers are expected to receive their assignments as early as tomorrow, Nora.
3: Well, uh, Florida's stay-at-home order takes effect Thursday at midnight, and it comes as the state is nearing 7,000 cases. The order has notable exceptions and says attending religious services and houses of worship is allowed. Manuel Borges is in Miami tonight. And, Manuel, why did the governor take this action now?
1: Well, Nora, Florida's governor thinks the virus may have been circulating in Miami as far back as the Super Bowl in early February, leading to a spike in cases here. But even with some models suggesting more than 6,900 Floridians could die by August, he decided not to shut down the entire state and waited for a cue from the White House. Governor Ron DeSantis said yesterday he was waiting for federal guidance on a stay-at-home policy. I've said, are you guys recommending this? Uh, The task force has not recommended that to me. Today, he got a nudge from the Surgeon General, who avoided calling him out directly. My advice to America would be that these guidelines are a national stay-at-home order. The governor got the message. I'm, I'm going to be doing an executive order today uh, directing all Floridians to limit movements. Critics have been calling for the order because Florida has the fifth highest number of reported coronavirus cases and a particularly vulnerable population. More than a quarter here are over the age of 60 still, the order allows religious gatherings to continue without requiring social distancing. This Tampa area pastor was arrested for holding a PAC service Sunday. Marissa Levine is a professor of public health and critical of patchwork policies.
5: We need a unified message. We need it more than ever now.
1: So you would like to see something beyond the state by state or county by county measure? Let's just say it wouldn't hurt. But people like Jennifer Allen are hurting. Her parents, Gloria and Bill Weed, are passengers on the cruise ship Sandam, which is stuck at sea. Four passengers have died and many COVID-19 cases are suspected.
6: My dad has developed pneumonia and um, he's getting worse every day.
1: Do you think it's Um, COVID-19?
6: It probably is.
1: But the ship has not been given permission to disembark at its final destination near Fort Lauderdale.
6: And I'm afraid if it takes too long to get to Florida and get to a port, that it might be too late for some of the passengers.
1: The governor has said he would allow Floridians to disembark, but that he does not want foreign nationals on that ship to take up limited hospital beds in the state. Nora.
3: All right, Manny, thank you. Now to an update on the USS Theodore Roosevelt. Nearly 100 sailors onboard the aircraft carrier tested positive for coronavirus. When we spoke with Defense Secretary Mark Esper here last night, he told us the ship did not need to be evacuated. But just moments ago, the chief of Naval Operations said 2,700 of the ship's almost 5,000 sailors will now be taken ashore and isolated in Guam. That change in policy comes amid criticism of the administration by governors nationwide over a lack of desperately needed medical supplies. We go now to Weijia Zhang, who is at the White House tonight, Weijia.
7: Honora, tonight, President Trump is pushing back on that, saying that large cargo planes filled with supplies from around the world are about to land in big cities from coast to coast. He says the country is preparing for the worst as questions continue to mount over whether he acted too late. Today, Vice President Mike Pence appeared to blame the CDC for incorrectly predicting how devastating a coronavirus outbreak would be.
2: In mid-January, the, the CDC was still assessing that the risk of the coronavirus to the American people was low.
7: But governors across the country are struggling to cope and pleading for supplies from the administration, including test kits, ventilators, masks and gloves. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker is so desperate, he's asked airline CEOs to fly in supplies from China. New York's Andrew Cuomo said it is China, not the U.S., who is manufacturing almost everything they need.
0: China is selling to the world, literally. And every governor will tell you this, they're trying to buy i'm trying to buy i'm calling everyone i know but it all comes back to china
7: the shortage comes as the national stockpile of emergency supplies is almost depleted vice president pence who visited a walmart distribution center today defended the president against critics who say he underestimated the virus leaving the country unprepared and costing lives i don't believe the president has ever belittled the threat of the coronavirus But well into February, when health officials were issuing warnings about the virus, Mr. Trump was downplaying the danger it posed.
5: Looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes
7: away. I hope that's true. And contrary to Vice President, uh, Vice President Pence's claim that the CDC predicted in January that there would be a low risk to Americans, we know that the U.S. intelligence community warned in the same month of the grave threats we are watching play out now. Nora.
3: All right, Ouija. thank you. Joining us now is Dr. Anthony Fauci, the country's top infectious disease doctor and member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Dr. Fauci, thank you for joining us. I want to ask you about that model that you presented at the White House, because it says even with total mitigation, there will be at least 100,000 deaths. Is there nothing we can do to prevent that number?
5: You know, I, I think we can. The one thing I want people to understand, that as you collect real data, you can modify the model. So although we need to anticipate that there would be 100 to 200,000 deaths. We don't necessarily have to accept that as inevitable. And I think the more we push to really very, very strictly adhere to the guidelines of physical separation, I believe we can modify that. But we've, we've, we can't just throw our hands up and say, that's inevitably going to happen.
3: The head of the CDC estimates that 25% of COVID carriers are asymptomatic. Should we be advising people to wear masks?
5: Great question. The primary people who need masks are the healthcare providers who are putting themselves in harm's way when they're taking care of someone with a highly contagious disease. The other is the people who are infected, and you want to have them in the hospital and not spreading it there. One thing you don't want to do is by recommending that people in the community generally wear masks is if it takes it away from the people who really need it. But in a perfect world, if you had an unlimited supply of masks, which we don't, if those individuals could possibly be spreading infection and not even knowing it, a potentially good way of preventing that, it's not 100 percent for sure. We know from studies that masks are not 100 percent, but we don't want the perfect to be the enemy of the good in doing something, that you could have an impact in preventing transmission.
3: With all due respect, it does seem like so much of this we're making it up as we go along.
5: Well, you know, you're making it up as it goes along, Nora, because that's what, you know, that's what a war is all about. I mean, I don't like to necessarily make that analogy to a war, but if you talk to the generals with experience, you have a plan but when the when the bullets start flying, everything becomes a fog, and you got to play it by ear. We do have a good plan. We need to be humble that we don't know all the answers, and we don't know exactly how this is going to turn out.
3: Dr. Fauci, thank you very much for your time and expertise.
5: It's always good to be with you, Nora. Thank you.
3: And we want to turn now to the battle facing our healthcare workers like this group at Jackson South Medical Center near Miami. They started their shift today with a group prayer, asking for guidance and protection. In New York City, more than 1,000 paramedics and firefighters have tested positive for the coronavirus. And veteran paramedic Megan Pfeiffer shared this video diary of what she calls battlefield triage on the front lines in Queens.
6: We are hit with an assignment. So first assignment that we're heading to for the day is a cardiac condition with somebody having a fever and cough. By the time we get to them, it's to the point where they're basically crashing. and A lot of them are getting intubated as soon as they walk through those ER doors. Put this on your face. It's pretty much like battlefields triage. Give me that other tank. There's a lot of hospitals that are running low on oxygen tanks and only have the big ones. They're sharing ventilators. Like, We've never seen anything like this before. Right now, it's patient after patient that's really sick and really, we're taking them in there to die. There's no visitors allowed, so when we take them, that might be the last time that they see them. The people that aren't on ventilators are literally waiting for somebody to die so they can get on a vent. <laughs> I am. And I am self-quarantining to avoid any potential exposure. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my friends. If anything ever happened to them, I wouldn't want to feel responsible. It would, I just couldn't deal with that guilt.
3: Meg also tells us that hospitals in Queens are so low on oxygen tanks and ventilators that ambulances are being turned away to find different hospitals. With social distancing becoming our new normal, those daily errands look a little different. Almost half of Americans are now concerned about even going to the grocery store. But what about working there? Janet Shamlan has more on those essential workers.
8: Stores like this H-E-B Grocery in Houston have become lifelines for communities. The full shelves are a testament to stockers and clerks who find themselves on the front lines of an unprecedented emergency.
5: It's uh, on my mind every second,
8: every second. Aaron Paglioso knows his job out among the public puts him at risk. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a policeman, but I do work in a grocery store and I try to do my part to help the public. Stores have added protective shields and are limiting shoppers to allow for distancing. Some like H-E-B have increased worker pay. Never have grocers, warehouse stores, even mini-mots played such an important role. What is it like to be on the front lines of a public health crisis?
4: There's a lot of uncertainty, and you really feel the responsibility of taking care of the community, that you understand that the community is relying on you to put food on their table.
8: It's a job that's never finished, and has made us all realize how vital these workers are. Have you ever given a thought about not coming to work?
1: never crossed my mind, because this is a necessity. It has to be done. Somebody has to do it.
8: Thankfully, someone is.
3: Janet and CBS News, Houston. And we are thankful to them and all of the essential workers. This news just coming in, we learned the National Park Service is closing the Grand Canyon National Park, this after a contractor who works and lives at the park tested positive for coronavirus. Nationwide, there are at least seven confirmed cases among Park Service employees. The National Park Service has waived entrance fees during the pandemic. Critics say that has encouraged unsafe crowding at the parks. In Fort Myers, Florida, neighbors honored a military veteran and maintained social distance with a parade celebrating his 100th birthday. Frank Sicelli smiled and waved his marine cap as the line of cars and golf carts drove by with decorations and signs. Frank told CBS affiliate Wink TV, I can't tell you how much it means to me. And happy birthday, Frank. We love this story. The coronavirus didn't stop a happy couple from getting married here in Washington, D.C., last night in pitch-perfect style. Sarah and Marco Sylvester had to cancel their huge wedding that would have had family coming in from Texas and Peru. Instead, they had a gathering of about 10 socially distanced inside the church. And then a big surprise for the groom, Sarah booked Marco's favorite trombone player, Travis Gardner, the trombone king of DC, to serenade them on the street. And he played, I can't help falling in love with you, as they shared their first dance. We wish them good health and happiness and a good song choice. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, we go inside a military lab to see why the coronavirus testing process takes so long. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. I hope to see you right back here tomorrow. Good night.
4: and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
0: If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com.